This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Saint, alias Simon Templer, was a radio adventure program in the States that featured a character, a swashbuckling, devil-may-care Robin Hood type, who, in his attempt to help police, maintained just one step ahead of the police and crooks, both of whom he combated. The hero was created by author Leslie Charteris. Now, over the history of the show, it appeared on several networks, CBS, NBC, and the Mutual Broadcasting Network. Charteris kept a firm hand on all aspects of the show. Emphasized by this notation on one of his contracts, all scripting will be under the supervision of Charteris, who will oversee the adaptations of his published work. If any originals are to be done, he'll do them. So, let's take you back to 1950 for The Saint and the episode, The Corpse That Said Ouch. Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saints, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as... The Saint. I'm not home. It's the middle of the night and I'm asleep. I'm in Schenectady sitting up with a sick ass. Oh. Hello. Hello. Are you Simon Templer? Well, come in and we'll compare Social Security cards. Thank you. I thought you were in Schenectady. Never heard of the place. Sitting up with a sick aunt. She recovered suddenly. Simon, I need help. Desperately. Why? Because I'm dead. You're what? Dead. Oh, well, of course, some of my best friends... Simon, my name is Francis Blake. Here, read this. Read? That little item down in the corner, under obituaries. Obituaries? Hmm. Hmm. Says here that the body of... Francis Blake is at the Restwell Chapel. Burial at noon tomorrow. You see, the newspapers say that I'm dead. Yeah, but I don't know whether to believe them or not. You uh, are Francis Blake? Oh, of course I am. Mm. Come here a moment. All right. Thank you. <laughs> now... Simon, what are you... <gasps> I beg your pardon. You... you pinched me. Yes. But... Well, I had to make sure I wasn't dreaming. 
But you're supposed to pinch yourself if you think you're dreaming. I know, but this way was more fun. <laughs> also, I never heard a corpse say ouch before. Therefore, you're not dead. I already knew that. I didn't. Now that that's settled, I think perhaps we ought to go visit. Visit whom? Your corpse. <laughs> Never mind, Louie. Oh, Mr. Templer. Had I have known it was you, I wouldn't have bothered with the whims. Had I known it was you, I just wouldn't have bothered. However, Francis... Thank you. Uh, Louis should perhaps be explained. He's a cab driver I try to avoid. I rarely succeed. Which proves to me that my life isn't all that it should be. Keep it clean. And where at this hour of the night are you going? The Restwell Chapel. Get another cab. Louie. Okay, okay. Some sport takes a girl to see a funeral parlor in the middle of the night. I'm merely taking her home. She lives in a funeral parlor? She's dead in a funeral parlor. Who's dead? Miss Blake. Huh? Me. Excuse me, but Louis, I got don't it. take I your hands off gonna... the wheel. I already did. Yes, so? She said ouch. Personally, I would have liked to find out for myself, but if you say so... I do. I'll take your word for it. Only how are you going to explain to the funeral parlor how riding around in cabs with you? Simple. I am apparently the kind of a man a girl wouldn't mind being seen dead with. The Restwell Chapel at your service. Mm. I know. Wait. But I'm telling you one thing, considering the type of company you're keeping. I ain't waiting till nobody plays no hot licks on a trumpet. I don't think you'll have to. Come along, Francis. All right. I, I've been trying to pretend to myself that it's all some kind of a joke, but that funeral parlor looks too real. Well, we'll find out soon enough. One nice thing about funeral parlors, they're always open. That you call nice? <laughs> she have a point there. Ooh, listen to that doorbell. Chopin, at least. Ah. Oh. I beg your pardon? I said, ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Come in, Francis. This is an hour that comes to all. Except in states that don't have daylight saving. I, sir, was referring to your bereavement. Ah. Uh, whom are you mourning? We would like to look at Francis Blake. The hour is late, but grief knows no clock. Good heavens, an epigram. We try, sir. If you'll follow me. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, here we are. And there she is. Beautiful, isn't she? Very. Simon... She does look like me. A little bit, but hardly enough to explain. Uh, how did she get here, Miss Blakeman? Mm. The uh, police brought her. Oh, I see. Uh, who identified her? Well, that was hardly necessary. Her coat over there in the corner. Simon! Wait a minute, Francis. What about her coat? It had her name on the label. Now I shall withdraw. You'll want to be alone with your grief. All right, but make a sound withdrawing, please. Uh, so we'll know you're withdrawn. 
really, sir, it's no use jesting. The dead never laugh. <laughs> well, he's withdrawn. Simon, that's my coat. It is mine, Simon, but, but look. Yes, two holes in the front of it, bullet holes. Bullet holes? The girl here, whoever she is, was, was murdered. Come on, we'd better get out. All right, but I'm taking my coat. I don't think... It's mine, not hers. It belongs to me, even though she was murdered in it. Simon, what was that girl doing with my coat? Wearing it when she was shot, presumably. But... There's another question, perhaps a more important one. Why was she shot in the first place? I suppose she had enemies. Have you? Back again? Yeah, we're back again. Francis. Oh, thank you. The little lady lost her place? Uh, Francis, where do you live? The Thornton Towers. Louis. I heard. Simon, back there. Why did you ask if I had any enemies? The coat's a distinctive one. Well, it's a very colorful plan. Yes, the girl back at the funeral parlor was murdered while wearing it. The question comes to, was her wearing the coat when she was killed merely a coincidence, or was she killed because her murderer thought she was, uh, you? You're sitting up with a dead friend. <laughs> Good night, Louis. Good night. Good night, folks. Oh, Simon, it's so good to be back home. My apartment's down the corridor. Simon, I feel terrible. Oh, you needn't. But what you said in the cab. She was wearing my coat, a very distinctive one. And then she was shot to death. That girl is dead because of me. No, we don't really know that. Well, it must be so. Somebody thought she was me and killed her. Mm, that's possible. But then that means that somebody wants to kill me. Uh, this your door? Oh, yes. Of course, it's also possible that someone didn't like the coat and... Uh, hey, did you leave your lights on when you left? No. There's a light in the room ahead. Well, that's the living room. You stay here in the hall. I'll go ahead and see who it is. But I... I just want to make sure they're neutral on the subject of plaid coats. Or you. Shh. Oh. Oh. Hello. Hello. Ah, how she was beautiful. Your wife. My what? Your wife. It's her picture on the desk there, no? Well, that does seem to be a picture of Francis. And your name, she is? Uh, my name's Simon. Ah, it is a name that fills herself with the soul, no? No. <laughs> I knew that tonight, of all nights, you would be lonely. Believe me, I'm so not lonely. I... I am here. Oh, your wife, she must have been a wonderful woman. She, uh... Your life with her was the magnificent symphony, no? Mm, chamber music would probably be more accurate if you... And want. now that she is, alas, gone, I am here. Without even a pause for station identification. Look, who are you? I am Olga. Simon, I... Who is she? Olga. Who is she? 
Francis, and now that you two have met... Waiting uh, a moment, huh? Aha. I look on the picture. I look on the flash. The what? The flash, of which I might adding, your wife is perhaps carrying a little too much here and there. Especially there. Now, just a minute. You mustn't point out the bad manners. But I am seeing your wife. She's not bad. She isn't. That is, Francis isn't. If you like, you could try pinching her. I never pinch, except boys. Oh. Simon, you are disappointing me. Goodbye. Well, that was quite a performance. Personally, I didn't care for her cadenza. Oh, I don't know. It was a nice cadenza, and the tootie was definitely fruity. Mm. <laughs> that is, uh, um, uh, Francis, the whole thing was camouflaged. For what? Take a look at the room. The room? Oh! Yes, it looks as if a junior hurricane had visited it. You mean somebody of Olga searched the room? Uh-huh, this one, and, uh... Yeah, the bedroom as well. But, Simon, what was she looking for? I don't know. Whatever it was, she didn't find it. Our entrance stopped her search. Well, I'd better start straightening things up a bit. Good idea. I'll help you. Well, shouldn't you be going home? Oh, I don't think so. You may get some more visitors later on and rougher ones than Olga. Why? Well, maybe they'll tell us if we ask them prettily. In the meanwhile... Yes, Simon? We can practice the overture to that symphony Olga mentioned. <laughs> Simon. Yes? It's getting awfully late. Yes, I know. You really can't sit up all night waiting for someone to come. We don't even know for sure that someone will. Olga got into this apartment and someone else did before her. Someone else? Of course. Your coat was stolen, wasn't it? Well, I suppose, but not from the apartment, Simon. Not from... Well, where was it stolen from? I can't be sure, of course, but I gave that coat to the cleaning shop down the block about a week ago. Cleaning shop? Mm-hmm. What's the name of it? The Carter Cleaners. Why? Because evidently it started out from there to wind up on a murdered girl's body. Therefore, come on. We're gonna... Yes, believe it or not, I'm taking you to the cleaners. I told you not to wait. This is a free country? Yes, There's a parking limit in this here cave, maybe? No, but... I waited. But we're only going down the block a little bit. You can't afford a quarter? I like to walk. Uh, what do you get from walk? Exercise. Uh-huh. And from exercise, an enlarged heart. From an enlarged heart, you know how many people each year drop dead? Add them up. We're walking. Come on, Francis. Simon, you're worried. Moderately, about all those people with enlarged hearts. Uh, this is the place. Huh? Yes. Uh, front door is shut, but there's a light inside. Let's try. It's locked. However... I think someone's coming. Recognize him? Yes. Yes, that's Mr. Maxson, the manager. Oh, what do you want? Uh, do you mind if we come in? Look, it may have escaped your attention, but it happens to be after two o'clock in the morning. Why do you want to come in? The rain. It's not raining. But suppose it starts I to. happen to be a very tired man. You should go home earlier. I shouldn't be bothered by drunks. I'm not drunk. We've stopped by for Miss Blake's coat. Coat? The plaid. 
As I may have mentioned before, we are not open for business. Then what are you doing here? I'm crazy about carbon tetrachloride fumes. I'd still like the coat. Oh? Then please do stop by in the morning. Simon, why did you... I wanted to find out if the cleaning store knew the plaid coat was gone. But we didn't find out, did we? No, nevertheless, we've worried Mr. Maxson. Thank heaven Louie's handy. Hey, Louie! Louie! <laughs> you give up, huh? Yeah. Into the cab, Francis. All right. Well, name your destination, Mr. Templer. A very long trip. Yeah? Drive to the back of the cleaning store. You'll probably have to go around the block. That alley must lead there. Okay. But, Simon, why are we going to the back of the store? Because we're going in? No, because I suspect Mr. Maxson is going out. <laughs> All this here is maybe none of my business. It isn't. Oh, you know, a remark like that could easily hurt a fellow's feelings. I'm sorry. No, it didn't hurt mine. I'm sorry, still. But you're not spending this PM in the way a PM should be spent. Nonsense. So far, it's all been good, clean fun. That's what I mean. Simon, Mr. Maxson hasn't come out of the store yet. No, he may be coy, however. But why should he have anything to do with anything? He shouldn't, but it's very possible that... <gasps> Simon! Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Maxson is shutting up shop. Coming down the back alley, which confirms something or other. You mean if he weren't hiding something, he wouldn't use the back way? Perhaps. We're far enough away from the alley for him not to notice. Look, he's turning the corner. Louis. I am alert. Not for nothing was I a Boy Scout. Although, actually, what I was a Boy Scout for was a certain Girl Scout. Hold it a minute. He's getting into that... He's a villain. That's a convertible. Everybody knows. Only villains ride around in convertibles. He started. Louis. Here we go. for a store manager to finish his evening's work. Let's go, Francis. Uh, leave me know how the floor show is. I'll be sure to. Hmm. Barker's Bandbox. I've heard of the club. Yeah, and I've heard of Barker. Nothing complimentary either. Well, here it is, and in we go. Dark, crowded, and needs ventilation. The floor show? <laughs> Emphasis on show. Simon and Mr. Maxson's over there. Yeah, ducking out of the door near the piano. Let's follow in these shifty footsteps, huh? Yeah, I hope nobody notices. With what's going on, or rather coming off, I don't think so. Oh, it's so dark in this hallway. Yeah, listen. I can't hear what they're saying. We can get a little closer. Now, wait a minute, Barker. I've been waiting long enough. Where are the stones? I told you, the girl disappeared. I know what you told me. Don't give me the stones. Now, suppose you tell me where the stones are. I, I, I don't know where they are. Stones. Yeah, Barker's Look, got quite a reputation as a crook of various kinds. Stones are jewelry and unquestionably stolen jewelry. I... Having fun, fellas? <gasps> Hope I didn't frighten you, lady. Coming up behind you, two nosy people like this. That was her asthma. Yeah. This here's a rod. How, uh, how cute. Could I see it? Uh, let go. Simon, I've got his gun. Yeah, and I've got a fist. Let's see what happens. Uh, 
How gratifying. I hit him and he fell down. Jake! Come on. All that could happen to us in here... Jake! ...would be fatal. Fired at us, huh? I know. It's always a little nervous making. Well, here we are. Thanks, Simon. No, not yet. I'm going in with you. But... No, for safety. Oh. You you think maybe I'm just not taking any chances. Four years all right. Living room. Francis. What? Don't look across the room. Olga's back, but this time she's staying. What do you mean? <gasps> I oh. hope you wouldn't see her. She isn't beautiful anymore. Oh, no. Just dead. I better phone the police. Wait, Simon. You know this thing started with Francis Blake being dead. But it wasn't Francis Blake. It was another girl. And then someone else got killed. Olga. Still not Francis Blake. But, Simon, the next time, do you... Do you think maybe it will be? <laughs> Uh, good night, Lieutenant. Thanks for dropping over. Exit Alka, exit police. Francis. Yes, Simon. You better go to bed. I'll stay on. It's almost morning anyway. Oh, I couldn't sleep. Would you like me to uh, fix us some breakfast? Oh, say, that's not a bad idea if you feel up to it. Oh, I don't know how I feel. You stay right where you are. It won't take me more than a few minutes. All right. Hey, that's all the sound you're going to make, sister. The gun's loaded. If you've got ideas about yelling for help, remember this. Bullets get to you quicker than help. Now let's get out of here. By the service door like I come in. But, Simon... And the boyfriend, you write him a letter from where you're going. If you're lucky, sister. And I hope you're lucky. You're too pretty to enjoy dying so quick. Francis, what are you cooking? Steak? <laughs> Francis, I don't intend to oversee your cooking, but... Francis. Francis. Oh, here she is, Mr. Barker. Yeah. Nice work, Jake. Hi. I want to know what this is all about. Yeah, I bet you do. You and me both, baby. What'd you do with the stones? The stones? Yeah, yeah, the chorus girl's delight, the old man's charm, the stones. Oh, you mean jewels. I don't have any. Maybe not on you, but you're going to tell us where they are, won't you, baby? Suppose I don't know. I wouldn't care to believe that. Well, you, you'd better start because I don't know. All right. I'll start not believing you. Jake. Yeah? I don't believe her. I don't think she's behaving right. You don't, huh? I don't. Ah, okay, Mr. Barker. What? What are you going to do? I'll slap you around a bit. It's going to hurt you more than it hurts me, too. Oh, no, you you can't. Want to bet? Hold it, hold it a minute, Jake. I'll get it. Yeah, Barker? Who are you? Simon Templer. You've got Francis Blake there, haven't you? 
It's your fault, Go. You must have. Listen, if you don't hurt her in any way, I'll get you the stones you're looking for. She doesn't know where they are. Matter of fact, where are the stones? The Carter Cleaner's shop. Look, don't hand me that. We already been through the joint. But you didn't know where to look. Yeah? That ah, could be a deal. Okay. But your girlfriend will be under a gun all the time. First funny move and she gets it. No funny moves. We'll be seeing you. Okay, Jake. We're going visiting. Maybe we'll trade in a babe for the stones. If the stones are handed over. If they ain't, we'll just trade her in. <laughs> That's right, Mr. Maxson. I was looking for a plaid coat. Plaid? Yes, maybe it would be here on this rack. Oh, it wouldn't be there. You see, this rack is for dresses. And this is for last night. <laughs> Sorry to have upset you, Mr. Maxson, but company's coming and I've got to set the table for them. No blue uniforms are on Parker, Jake. Okay. Here we go, baby. I can walk by myself. Yeah, I know, I know, but I enjoy your company. Simon! Hello, Francis. You, Temple? That's right. Simon, I... Hey, stay next to me, sister. I better just lock the door so we won't be interrupted. All right, where are the stones? Yeah, they're in the place here. They must be. I don't like the sound of that. It could be a stall. What's that? And Mr. Maxson, he fell down while he was pressing some suits or something. Yeah? Get up, Max. Come on. Uh, yeah. Oh. oh. Oh, hello, Mr. Barker. Hello, rat. Oh, you you don't have to talk that way, Mr. Barker. I can't help it if the stones were stolen from me. If the woman double-crossed me. This babe here? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you work her over, Mr. Barker, and, and her boyfriend? After all, they're the ones who killed Olga, aren't they? It was a narrow part. Never mind, Olga. I liked the kid. I sent her out the job. She got it. Business, you got to cut your losses when you have to. I still want the stones. Are hey, you? They are here. They have to be. Then find them. I've looked, but they're hidden cleverly. I... You sound like a guy up a tree, mister, and in just a couple of seconds, I'm going to cut that tree down. Tree? You wait a minute, tree. Suppose you wanted to hide a tree so you couldn't find it. Where would you hide it? I ain't interested in hiding trees. You'd hide it in a forest, of course. Therefore, going through the place, I noticed... Francis, go through that dress rack. Dress rack? Find a dress, any dress that doesn't seem to belong. Well, all right. Hey, I don't get it, boss. Who wants to hide a tree? Get up, Jake. Maybe it's that simple. Oh, Simon, I'm not sure what you mean, but this shop is in a pretty expensive neighborhood. All the dresses here are very good ones, except this one. It's quite cheap, covered with cheap rhinestones. Let me have it. Yes, of course, it doesn't belong here. Why is it here? Because it's a forest. Looks like a rag to me, not like a forest. Then suppose you take another look at some of the rhinestones on it. Let me have it. Hey. Most of the things sewn on that dress are cheap rhinestones, but among them are the genuine stones, the ones we've been looking for. Well, nice work, Max. I I, I I didn't know anything about it. Somebody else must have done it. The frame here. No, no kidding. Wait a minute, Parker. Wait, wait. I, I... For what? I'm going to tell you something, Max. No, but I... You sure told him. Never did like a double-crosser. 
Hey, where are you going? Well, it occurred to me you mightn't like witnesses either. Come so... on. Thank you. Stay behind me. Hey, what are you... Testing the steam build up quite a lot of steam pressure. I kicked the outlet pipe off, and it's aimed at you. You better strap, Barker, unless you want to get parboiled. Get you out of here. Come on. You're leaving us? Oh, thank God. Yes, Francis, but not for long. And the police won't have much trouble picking them up with them all... Forgive me, but I can't resist it. With them all steamed up. terribly grateful, but I can't resist... Francis. ...asking you what it was all about. Oh. Oh, an intellectual, huh? <laughs> well, you see, Francis, Maxon and Barker were partners in the jewelry business. Illegitimate. Oh. Uh, they worked out a nice idea. They'd use very distinctive clothes left with a cleaning shop as disguises for themselves and their confederates. Oh. And disguises which couldn't be traced because they'd lead back only to perfectly innocent people who had alibis and everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And the last job they did involved a girl who wore your plaid coat while stealing the jewels. Oh. Maxon, however, decided he wanted all the jewels for himself. So he killed the girl and hid the stones. And Olga? He had to kill Olga because she suspected something wrong and... Came to this apartment because that's where the plaid coat came from. Mm-hmm. Well, but how did you know that Maxon had killed her? Back in the shop, he said Olga had been killed in this apartment. How did he know that? Because he'd killed her. Oh, Simon, what would I have done without you? <laughs> the question is, what are you going to do with me? <laughs> been listening to another transcribed adventure of the saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, our cast tonight included Shirley Mitchell, Viola Vaughn, Larry Dobkin, Lou Merrill, Tony Barrett, and Jack Moyles. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. of The Saint was written by Louis Vitties. The music was composed and conducted by Vaughn Dexter. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Programs, get your programs here. Tomorrow night, tune here for Nightbeat. Hear the unusual tales uncovered by reporter Randy Stone as he searches Chicago after dark for human interest stories. Tomorrow night and every Monday night, hear Nightbeat. And then stay tuned for the first piano quartet. Next, Sam Spade cuts a caper. Then Rose Bampton sings on NBC. Stay tuned for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show. You know, there are so many stories to tell about this pair, but I, I just love the one about how they met and became wildly successful as a nightclub act. 
Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis debuted at Atlantic City's 500 Club on July 25, 1946, when Lewis suggested to the club owner that Martin would be a good replacement for the scheduled singer who was unavailable. The duel, well, they were not well received. The owner, Skinny D'Amato, threatened to terminate the contract if the act didn't improve. Martin and Lewis disposed of pre-scripted gags and began improvising. Dean sang and Jerry, dressed as a busboy, dropping plates and making a shambles of Martin's songs and a mockery of the club's decorum. They performed slapstick and delivered vaudeville jokes to great fanfare, and the team lasted ten years to the day. Martin died December 25, 1995, and we lost Jerry Lewis last summer. Here they are on their radio show that was aired... In 1952. From Hollywood, we present the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Show. And now it gives me great pleasure to introduce our master of ceremonies, Dean Martin. Hi, folks! Thank you. Well, it seems impossible, but uh, here we are, face to face with Friday again, with all the old familiar elements on hand. In fact, there's only one link missing, and that's my partner, Jerry Lewis. So, while we're waiting for the missing link, let's take a quick trip to the San Fernando Valley. Ricardo, let's go with this thing. I'm packing my grip And I'm leaving today Cause I'm taking a trip California way I'm gonna settle down And never more on Make the San Fernando Valley my home I'm forgetting my sin And I'm making new friends where the west begins and the sunset ends Cause I've decided where yours truly ought to be It's a San Fernando Valley for me But I think that I'm safe in stating She will be waiting when my lonely journey's done And kindly old Reverend Thomas He kind of made the promise He would make the two of us one So I'm hitting the trail To the cow country You can follow the mail Care of RFD I'm gonna settle down and never roam Make the San Fernando Valley Make the San Fernando Valley Make the San Fernando Valley My Very wonderful, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I just want to say... I'm packing my birds. I'm packing my 
is, folks, the one and only Jerry Lewis. How can something that looks so good on paper sound so bad when you say it? Well, you wouldn't have had this trouble, Jerry, if you showed up at rehearsal. Now, where were you? Oh, I, I went to see the Las Vegas story, that new picture with Victor Russell and Jane Mature. Now, you know you mean Victor Mature and Jane Russell. Well, maybe that Victor ain't Russell, but don't try and tell me that Jane ain't mature. <laughs> Keep it up. Nothing you can say will aggravate me tonight. I made up my mind. No more arguments. I refuse to fight with you. You mean you ain't going to yell at me? That's right. No matter what I do? Uh-huh. No matter what I say? Yep. <laughs> what is it, Jay? What's the matter? The chance of a lifetime comes along, and I ain't got one nasty thing to say. Oh, don't be silly, Jay. You can think of something nasty. Come on, come on. Think. Be, you mean be... like, like a... Dean Martin is the man of whom Bing Crosby once said, Who's he? <laughs> see? See? I told you you can do it. Go ahead. Go, man. Go. Yeah. I told you. Go. Right. Go. Yeah. Yeah, you, right. you can do yeah. it. Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead. Right. Some more. Some more. Yeah, Go. right. Dean Martin never really had his nose fixed. He just got tired of wearing two of them. Go on. Go on. Go on. Now, Jerry... You just take a look at me. Nothing, nothing makes me mad anymore. The other day I ran into an idiot automobile mechanic, and if he didn't get me mad, no one will. <laughs> you told me about that. Hey, why don't we tell the audience about it? I'll play like I'm the crazy mechanic. All righty. <laughs> well, folks, it all started when I was driving my little car up Sunset Boulevard. And I didn't notice it at first, but then gradually... Very quietly, I began to hear the faintest little knock in my engine. I uh, pulled into the first gas station I could find, going as easy as I could. <laughs> hey, let's have some service over here. Sure thing, buddy. You want me to inspect your butterfly valve, clevis pin, and gimbal joint? Inspect my clevis pin and gimbal joint? Oh, no, look. I, I, seem, I seem to have a knock in my engine. Let me hear it. Start a up. Now, that's funny. I, I don't hear it now. I wonder why it doesn't knock. Maybe it's going for gin. Why? Listen, it's playing our tune. <laughs> you know something? I find you completely obnoxious. Watch your language, fellow. There happens to be a ladies' washroom on the premise. <laughs> you know, I'll bet you never worked on a car before. Yeah, well, I'll never forget the first car I fixed. First, I had to remove the transmission cover, see? Next, I took out the shifter shafts and fork. Then I let the Reenie Rick drop to the bottom of the loop. <laughs> Quick as a flash, I pinched the prongs on the main drive gear. Loosen the universal prong pellets and turn screw, twist, and they wait. I found what was wrong with that car, buddy. Good heavens, what was it? A flat tire. Flat tire. <laughs> well, I've had enough of this, stupid. Are you going to fix my car, aren't you? Not me. I don't work on these farming cars. But this is an Italian sports car. You can tell by the seat cover. Good heavens, they're made out of grated cheese. <laughs> 
They are not. And that's not a canvas top, it's a pizza. <laughs> Will you listen to... Tell the truth, is that a floor mat or a large ravioli? Hey! Now, supposing you fill my tank and let me get out of here. You do have gas, don't you? Yeah, I think it's from the ravioli. <laughs> well, uh, I, I've, I've had just about enough, miss. I'm going to get out of here, but fast. Hey! Hey, but wait a sec, mister! Come back! How do y'all like that? The darn fool forgot his car. <laughs> Folks, we have a little movie kicking around the country called Sailor Beware. Now, it's playing in most of your local theaters. And if you should happen to drop in and see it, you'll be very apt to hear a song called Never Before. And if you listen real carefully, you're sure to hear it right now. So, Richard, here we go. Never before has my heart Felt a thrill like this Never before Oh, never before Never before As the whole world stood still as I gaze at the face, I simply adore. After today, when they speak about paradise. I'll smile and I'll say I've been there once or twice For this is that one in a lifetime The miracle of your kiss I've never loved like this, never before. For this is that one's in a lifetime, the miracle of your kiss. I've never loved like this, never
there's a young fella around Hollywood who uh, is from Universal International Studios, and uh, we know you've seen him in many, many pictures, and he has set a lot of feminine hearts flutter. He's a wonderful guy, a real good friend, and Jerry and I are mighty happy to have him here tonight. So hang on to your bobby socks, because here comes Tony Curtis. Thank you, folks. Thank you, Dean. You're very welcome, Tony. Uh, it's good to see you, Dean. It's good to see you, Tony. Uh, I've sure been looking forward to being on your show, Dean. And I've sure been looking forward to having you here, Tony. Hey, Dean, when are the writers coming back from vacation? <laughs> Tony, I guess you know that uh, this is Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis, huh? Are you any relation to John L. Lewis? <laughs> Why do you ask? The top of your head looks like one of his eyebrows. <laughs> so what? The top of your head looks like someone slept on it. <laughs> hey, Tony, do you... Jerry, Tony, Jerry, Jerry, listen, Jerry, Tony. Jerry! Tony Curtis is a big movie star. Why can't you treat him with respect? Big movie star? I wouldn't go see him in the movies if he was Gregory Peck, Clark Gable, and Montgomery Clift all rolled into one. Why not? Why don't you see a man with six legs? <laughs> hey, Tony, I, I understand you just returned from a European trip. That's right, Dino. I was down my honeymoon. Oh, boy, a honeymoon. Who'd you go with? <laughs> I went with my wife, of course. Oh, that's too bad. Well, what's too bad about it? A honeymoon is such fun. Why louse it up by taking the girl? <laughs> Jerry, I, uh, I don't mind if you act a little crazy with me, but... Can't you calm down a little when we have a company? I'm sorry. Really, Tony, it's very nice you could come and be with us on the show. Because we've always wanted you as a guest. And now that you're here, we feel real good about it, Tony and Dean. What? We couldn't get a girl? No. <laughs> I was hoping we'd get someone like Janet Lee. I saw her yesterday. Wowee, zippity doo dah, ba boom boom boom. <laughs> That girl, Janet Lee, wowie, zippity-doo-dah, boom-boom-boom, happens to be my wife. Don't kid me, buddy. Janet Lee's married to Tony Curtis. Jerry, this is Tony Curtis. Dean, you're so naive. <laughs> Not naive, that's naive <laughs> Dean, you're so naive <laughs> Right, the ball. If he were Tony Curtis, what's he doing here? Where should I be? Home with Janet. Uh. <laughs> Jerry, believe me, I am Tony Curtis. Look, buddy, if you're Tony Curtis, then I shouldn't be here. Where should you be? Home with Janet. <laughs> Tony, I, I hope Janet doesn't mind our talking about her, but uh, I saw some of her pictures, and she sure makes a beautiful sweater girl. Well, thank you, Dean. Hey, I always wanted to know, how, how, how come they call them sweater girls? Well, that's simple, Jerry. You know how they take hundreds of tiny fibers of wool and interlace them into one delicate thread? And then they weave all these delicate threads into one beautiful garment. Yeah. Well, that's got nothing to do with it. Oh, I... <laughs> well, uh, I don't want to alarm you boys, but the, this three-cornered rat race is supposed to lead into a sketch. Well, that sounds fine. What kind of a sketch are we going to do? We thought it would make you feel right at home with one of those swashbuckling roles you've been playing, like the prince who was a thief and the son of Alabama. I'm ready when you are. Good. Now, let's put on our turbans while Jimmy Wallington tells us all about it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have all thrilled to the wonderful stories from the Arabian Nights. 
Tonight, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and Tony Curtis shall enact one of the little-known stories from this famous book. Our story is called The Legend of the Magic Lamp, or... Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Genie. (laughs) Our scene is the fabulous palace of the mighty Sultan Abu Ben Adam. His son, Prince Ali, is strolling in the garden. And now, here is the Sultan's other son, Prince Abdul. Greetings, O fair, handsome, and charming son of our father, the Sultan. I am Prince Abdul. Greetings, O tall, strong, and talented son of father, the Sultan. I am Prince Ali. Greetings. I am from the draft board. Yeah. I don't really have a line here, but I figured I'd throw a scare in. <laughs> Abdul, the city of Baghdad is before us like a pearl. What adventure shall we seek? Let's go peek into the Sultan's harem. That's no fun. I peeked into Father's harem yesterday. What'd you see? Father. Father. <laughs> the Sultan's temper is violent lately, and he gives me no money. I do not understand. He gives you no money because, in the words of the prophet, Magdu Simitari Mar Tabu Akbar... <laughs> Oh, I see, but what does that mean? The check is late from Standard Oil. Oh. (laughs) Look yonder in the palace trash pile. Do you see what I see? Specter of an eyelash. It's an old lamp. Quick, pick up the lamp. It is the magic one. How do you know this? I looked on the next page. (laughs) It's so dusty. Perhaps if I polished it, I can rub off the... Do rub it. Hark! A voice from inside the lamp. What are you doing in there? Dad wanted a wick. Oh. <laughs> I'll rub the lamp and get him out. You can light the lamp, but don't rub it. Please hold the lamp, stroke it, but don't rub it. I'm gonna rub it. For releasing me from the lamp. How long you been in there? It'll be 3,000 years next Thursday. You must indeed be old. Are you kidding? I can remember back when we had a Republican Sultan. Explain to me, Jeannie. You are eight feet tall and this lamp stands only six inches high. How did you ever get in there? You promised not to tell? We promised. How did you get in the lamp? I lied about my height. Oh, I see. And tell me, Jeannie, why are you whispering? I'm a little ashamed of the joke. Oh. (laughs) Oh, brother to a triple-tongued tonsil. (laughs) (laughs) Can it be that you are the genie I've been dreaming of? Oh, father of a worm, brother of a rick and uncle of a wheel. (laughs) Command me and I shall do your bidding. You will do our bidding? How? Like this. Two spades. Three hearts. Walk, walk. I double. Hey, you can't. Come up, Bill. It is foolish to stand here with this ugly genie. I would rather be tied to the razorback of a green-eyed serpent and thrown against the jagged rocks below. How about you, Prince Ali? Where would you rather be? Well, I guess it's my turn. I'd rather be home with Janet. (laughs) Ali, why don't we have a hundred wives like our father, the Sultan? A hundred wives? Good heavens. 
Can't you just see the towels in that house? His and hers and hers and hers, hers and hers and hers and hers. Ladies and gentlemen, a few days ago I was rummaging through my attic and I ran across a pile of old phonograph records. I started to flip through them and I ran across one platter that had the label scraped off. Well, I got kind of curious and brought it downstairs. And when I put it on the turntable, I found myself listening to a real treat. The vocalist was wonderful, the band was wonderful, and the song was wonderful. I have no idea who the singer was, but whoever he was... I want to thank him for making me fall in love with a great little song. So, Richard? Maybe it's because I love you too much. Maybe that is why you love me so little Maybe when I answer yes Maybe I became a boy Maybe if I love you let Maybe you would love me more Maybe it's because I've kissed you too much Maybe that is why my kiss means so little Maybe with a love so great and a love so small Maybe I'll be left with no love at
Jerry, it, it, that's wrong. It, it's maybe it's because I love you so much. Do you really, Bobby? <laughs> Excuse me for interrupting, Dean, but I just wanted to say good night. Tony, you know I was so excited when I heard you were coming that I even put on Bobby socks. Why'd you put on a Bobby socks? Because Herbie's socks were too small. <laughs> so I put on Bobby's socks. <laughs> good night, boys. Good night, everybody. Good night, good night Tony. Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to give our many, many thanks again to all of you who have been very, very kind enough to send in their contributions to the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Your contributions have been put to work to help find a cure for this dread disease. For those of you who haven't contributed as yet, please do so. The muscular dystrophy sufferers need your help very, very badly. Please mail your contributions to MDA, New York 8, New York. That's MDA, Muscular Dystrophy Associations, New York 8, New York. Thank you. Until next week, this is Dean Martin. And Jerry Lewis reminding you that we're on radio through the courtesy of Hal Wallace Productions, producers of our latest picture, Sailor Beware. Good night, everybody. From Hollywood, you have just heard transcribed the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show, written by Ed Simmons and Norman Lear. Produced and directed by Dick Mack, with music under the direction of Dick Stabile. Tony Curtis will soon be seen in Flesh and Fury, a Universal International picture co-starring Jan Sterling and Mona Freeman. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Jack Benny, followed by Sam Spade. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.